Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Some of those days I feel like singing. I just don't know why, but it's probably because I've had so much iced tea this morning. I'm already jazzed up. And we're going to talk to Jennifer Eggers today. And Jennifer is going to talk to us about something that is clearly something we need right now. And that is creating resilience personally or within your organization during dun, 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 times of challenge. Like, you know, we don't have those at all right now. Um, so <laughs> I can't wait to hear more from her. She is the founder and president of a company called Leadership Insights. And what they do is help all of us who are trying to navigate change do so with great resilience and hopefully with some poise along the way. And if we fall on our face, maybe we can do it um, when nobody's looking. So joining me today, thank you so much, Jennifer. It's so wonderful to have you today. Thank you so much, Michael. It's awesome to be here. I'm um, I'm so excited. This, I, as I was, you know, looking at some of the podcasts that you've got out there, I'm just I'm so impressed with just the eclectic group of people and and so many ways that we wouldn't even think about to shock our potential and really be more effective. So that was really fun. So I'm I'm just thrilled to be included. Um, Thank so, you so much. You are welcome. So Leadership Insights, we uh, we work with leaders and organizations in the midst of disruption to improve their capacity to adapt. So a lot of times um, we don't think about that until the disruption hits and it's time to adapt, but we work mm -hmm. with people uh, really in two ways. I used to say, well, and I still say resilience is intentional and we have to build it ahead of time um, so that when disruption hits, it becomes almost an insurance policy. But you know now we're in the midst of every imaginable <laughs> uh, disruption, and so you know we've certainly learned that yes, we can build resilience uh, even in the midst of the disruption as well. So um, there's maybe some distinctions there between resilience and coping, but and both and both are appropriate at different times. But certainly we want to focus on on building resilience and really equipping people to expand their capacity to adapt when things go wrong. Or frankly, disruption doesn't have to be go wrong. It could just be um, there are positive disruptions as well. Well, that's really true. You know, and, and even things that are negative, there are positives that you can find in it. And that's what I think to me when I think about resilience is that that sense of, okay, maybe I didn't choose this, but I'm going to go through it or we're going to go through it and I'm we're going to do it the best way we can. Or right. even 
or we may be still seeing this as a negative, but there can and will be positives we will find as long as we're looking for them. And I think that's, you know, it's kind of the, the, um, you know, the great thing, as you know, you know, being part of something like National Speakers Association is, you know, we're surrounded by all these people who are like positive for a living, you know, and go get them. But I think there is something to it just because you kind of, you know, have that outward persona. I think it keeps you going even the times when in your head you're like, but I don't want this happening right now. <laughs> and resilience is just kind of keeping going. Yeah. So, you know, when you help people in these situations and they're going through disruption, you know, what are some of the common things that you face, kind of the common issues or challenges that they face that you help them to, you know, embrace or overcome or just really tackle head on? Yeah, well, keeping in mind, we work a lot with um, with corporations. So I do a lot of individual coaching, but we spend a lot of time with with corporations and kind of thinking thinking through things from that lens as well. So, you know, one of the biggest things that happens when disruption hits is that leaders and teams, they, they tend to sort of retreat into themselves. And so what happens is they end up not being on the same page. So we, we get the call. I mean, usually I get the call saying, we need you to come in and have a hash out session, right? We need Ooh. to hash it out. We need to, we need to figure out why we're, we have so much internal competition and there's all these hidden agendas. And, you know, I don't know if we should even bring Joe to the meeting because he's got, you know, this, he's trying to do something that's disruptive or whatever. <laughs> but this notion of people not being on the same page and getting them more aligned is something that I think is a superpower of mine and something that we spend an awful lot of time doing from a, a building resilience standpoint. Um, you know, the other one is just obviously organizations are facing, you know, whether it's a market disruptor or something like COVID or, you know, the social issues, uh, they just need to adapt faster and figure out how to get to next um, faster, but also stronger for having been through it. And so, you know, the, the um, we say there are three characteristics of resilient people in organizations. And one is, is really the ability to improvise when you're in that, you know, when you're in that moment, how do we, how do we figure out how to improvise um, so that we can get to next? And how do we find meaning in the situation so that we can emerge stronger? Um, and then the other one is a firm grasp on reality. Because oftentimes we have people that do one of two things. I mean, either they're looking at the world through rose-colored rose glasses and the positive piece is so positive that they're not acknowledging what's really going on. Um, we'll be fine. Don't worry yeah, about we'll it. Yeah, we'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, or they're so negative that they can't, they can't see their way forward, right? So we have to bring people to center and really get a firm grasp on reality. Um, and then the other thing that we see a lot is, and we deal with a lot of leaders in transition where they're looking to, um, you know, assimilate to a new role in a new company and we help them do that faster. So that's a disruption that we deal with quite, quite frequently. Well. I was thinking when you're talking about uh, companies calling you in and saying, hey, we need to have a sit down or we need to have a you know, session, we could hash it out. I was just uh, taping a segment for my, um, for my app. And I, I talk about, you know, I call it basically why I hate the marketing department. <laughs> and because I, I, have, I have this story, you know, when my, uh, one of the companies that I was helping go through massive trans, transformation and restructuring, when we were going through this, you know, it was like bringing 14 or 15 different individual companies into one. And so everything that had been done by each company was now being done, you know, out of one source. I'll never forget this one day. It was like the pinnacle day, like everything fell off the shelf that day. 
because uh, a bunch of ads had gone out and they all had mistakes, wrong dates, wrong price, wrong, you know, and so, you know, we were a sales organization. So my sales managers are calling me and, you know, as I'm watching my phone blow up, I'm like, oh, good God, what happened? And everyone was like, what the marketing, what did the marketing department do to us? Why did they do this? Why are they screwing this up? And, and it was this huge, like us versus them, the sales team versus marketing. And, and I'm like, okay, take a deep breath. What happened? And as I got down to it and we really understood the problem, you know, and where the challenges were, my first challenge wasn't actually to fix the problem of the ads going out wrong. The first problem is to make sure that my team didn't look at the marketing department like you guys are screwing us over and instead go, wow, what happened to them? How can we help? And, you know, when we go through, you know, times of disruption or, or a huge challenge, you know, keeping people calm enough to say, okay, well, maybe Joe's been off doing his own thing, but we don't, <laughs> we don't eliminate Joe from the meeting right. exactly. because we're mad at him. We bring Joe to the meeting and we have a right. conversation. That's exactly right. And we're, I mean, we're, we're doing a lot with, you know, kind of COVID recovery at this point as well. And I think one of the most important conversations we have to have before we can even think about what's next is to say, what did everyone just go through? Because mm -hmm. what, what we're going through is different for everybody. Um, and the degree of impact is really different for everybody. And it's, you know, somewhat dependent on your geography and that kind of thing, but it's also dependent on your family and how well, you, how well you internalize things. And, you know, are you trying to do Zoom with a bunch of kids in the background while you're supervising them doing online learning? Or are you, you know, in an office that you usually work from home from? So I think we have to really, I think this notion of really understanding where each other is coming from really needs to be our first conversation. So you bring up an amazing point about, you know, just being inclusive. And mm -hmm. um, one of the things we, we have, so as, as a company, when I started Leadership back in 2007, one of the very first things we wanted to do was fix organization restructuring. Because um, it was so often done by <laughs> an HR person and a leader in a back oh. closet. You know, they move yes. boxes around on the page and then they come out and they try to get buy-in. Well, okay. If, I've seen that happen a few yeah, too many times. I bet, right? <laughs> Me too. So, and I've been a victim of it, as I'm sure you have a few mm -hmm. too many times. But the idea is if you're selling, you're not creating alignment. So yeah. the idea is how do we create structures that are sustainable so we don't have to change every five seconds? How do mm -hmm. we make sure that the right people are actually included? So what we've found is that creating a shared agenda before you start thinking about restructuring takes away all these hidden agendas and personal um, empire building and all of these reasons to have a hash out session go mm -hmm. away when we create shared agenda. And so that's, I mean, we, that's where we really spend, I would say a lot of our time in this business um, on the consulting side. Anyway, we do, you know, coaching and leadership development, but on the consulting side, we probably, I bet I spend 50% of my time, really thinking about how do we bring people together and have those conversations. And it's so true. Um, and when you have any kind of major change, especially in the time of, of another kind of disruption, there's even more fear. So, you know, people will create their own agendas. They will create their own scenarios. They'll cre create their own backstories that may have nothing to do with what's going on. But because communication at some point in time has been withheld, broken down, kept behind a door, the more there's a secret, the more that people will try and fill in that gap because it's uncomfortable 
not to have a piece of knowledge there. And, you know, I know before we even uh, hit record, we were talking about, you know, organizations also trying to or having to restructure during a part of, you know, another huge disruption of our world um, just has to add to that anxiety. And you may still need to do it, but boy, there's got to be a lot of landmines in that that, you know, are in addition to the landmines you'd face on a regular day. Yeah, there are a massive amount of landmines. And I think what's fascinating to me is that, you know, some companies look at it and they go, well, we're not restructuring because of COVID. I mean, we already had cost constraints or whatever. So it doesn't have anything to do with COVID. Well, it may not, but we still have to talk about it. And you can't be toned up to the fact that everyone is still going through COVID. So, mm-hmm. and COVID's probably not going away. So we have to we have to talk about this in the context of, even if it's not something people are, it's not causing the restructuring, it's certainly there and we have to take care of people through it. So I think that's, um, you know, that's, that's important to acknowledge as well. I mean, we, we can't, the problem I think when leaders, um, you're trying to be resilient, we have to understand what all the facts are, right? We mm-hmm. can't just pick one and ignore the rest. That's this notion of a firm grasp on reality. And there's a, there's a Harvard Business Review editor um, Eileen Kotu, who wrote, and when, when I started researching resilience, like, I don't know, almost, almost six, eight years ago, there were three articles that were ever written. Like there were only three when I got into this, wow. space. I was absolutely shocked. And one of them was this article where I, you know, this is really where I got sort of the three characteristics of resilient people and organizations, because she did the research. Um, we've expanded on that with our resilience framework and our model and all the work that goes around building it. But what I loved about what she said was, you know, this notion that there are these three characteristics. It's like, these are the things that we need to focus on. And because they're the same for individuals and organizations, it means we can teach it. So Mm. we can teach it to individuals and then organizations can build it at the same time. And I think one of those characteristics is this firm grasp on reality. So, and that's (laughs) the thing that we just miss. I mean, leaders, I don't know how many, and and, in this, here's the sad thing. I mean, see, we deal with a lot of CEOs, a lot of C-level leaders. They're never told the truth. And they always think they are. But if you have great talent working oh, yeah. for you, and here's the irony of it. If you have great people working for you, they are not telling you how much pain they're in or how hard they're working because they're just doing it. They're going to go yeah. out and they're going to give it their all. They're not going to complain about it. You have no idea how bad their situation is or how mm-hmm. hard it is for them because they're never going to show you that. So as leaders, when we go through disruption, if we don't ask the question, we don't know the answer. Yes. And I think that's one of the biggest things that um, brings people together. And frankly, you know, without it kind of causes this need for this hash out session, which I, mm-hmm. you know, am fundamentally against <laughs> having a hash out session. We need to fix the problem. <laughs> if we fix the problem, we don't have to hash anything out. <laughs> and if you follow the problem back on each of the little, you know, squirrely, uh, kind of like a spaghetti model, you yeah. know, where, it, where it starts and where it coincides, you can find the greatest pain points. You're right. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think that's really true. I think about, um, you know, how, what people will tell you and not tell you. And, you know, I've led huge teams. So I've led, you know, up to 500 people and hundred million in revenue. And, you know, at one point in time, I had 32 sales managers reporting to me before I streamlined, man, that was crazy. Um, but now I have this small team, you know, of five people all remote. 
And so when I, you know, I'm like, well, I got this. I mean, I've written books on leadership. I've done it. I've been there, you know, <laughs> so I got this right there. This is easy peasy. And I, when I was first working with, you know, when we got to three people and I was, you know, having one-on-one -on -one calls with them and, you know, getting them, each one of them, you know, has a different complete focus. And one day, one day, one of them said to me, you have got to stop telling somebody to do something and then somebody else to do something else because you're confusing us. And it was a really simple thing, but I was like, what? And they said, you need to talk to us all. So we all hear the same message. And if there's individual parts of our job, do that, whatever. And I started laughing. I go, wow, I didn't even know I was doing that. And they, yeah. I said, why didn't you guys tell me earlier? Because I thought, you know, I mean, now I'm, I'm, you know, right in the trenches. I'm a totally engaged leader. Like, why didn't you tell me? And they were like, well, you're the big boss. You know, we don't want to, I'm like, oh my God, I've done it myself. Right. That's so, I think we all have, we all have some story like that. That's a really good one. <laughs> so now every Wednesday we have a call together and I do things now, now I'm going back and I'm doing things individually with everybody, especially to work on their own development. Mm -hmm. But we come together every Wednesday and I start off with a silly question like, what's your favorite meal to make? Or what, you know, what's your most embarrassing childhood story or just something, you know, to get us going. And then we go through our agenda. And it's so much better because then they can all say, you know, I say, anybody else have anything to need to tell me anything? And, you know, now they're opening up more with each other. And that cool. last week they all fessed up that, you know, one of them was driving the other two crazy because she was like, you know, going nuts. And they're like, we're going to kill you. So <laughs> I said, great, look, we're having a good therapy session. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are working it out. <laughs> I think, honestly, you bring up another good point. Like I've I think when I, and this has nothing to do with this podcast, but I think back to what was the team that I led that was the most successful and why? Like, if, so mm -hmm. if you had hypothetically asked that question, um, I Jennifer, I have what, a great question for you. What's the question. most effective team you've ever led in the past and why? <laughs> I, think, I think what made that team incredibly effective is that they started, um, they all had very different strengths and they started relying on each other Mm -hmm. around me right they didn't come to me and say hey i'm gonna call so and so and you know he's gonna do pricing for me and she's gonna do training and they started figuring out who was good at what and they started yes. leveraging each other completely independent of me as the leader and i think mm -hmm. if you can get to that point as a leader i mean leading a team you just you can drive performance exponentially through others that way i mean i and i don't know how you get there because they did it without me so I can't say it had a whole lot to do with me, but it really, I mean, I think if you're able to pull that off, that's just, I mean, that's just an it's, incredible, you know, story. It's funny you say that because uh, they actually had a meeting without me uh, on <laughs> Saturday. They all got together, you know, that's I mean, awesome. virtually, and they all had, because they had something they needed to hash out. And I don't know all the details of it. They didn't tell me, but they all seem to be very happy now. So, um, so cool. they hashed it out. You know, they figured it out and I don't think there was any knockdown drag out. I think they just said, okay, we've got a challenge. Let's, let's face the challenge and let's figure yeah. it out. And I know that with one of them was kind of giving me just some little highlights on it. And she said, you know, you know, our whole purpose is to see where your vision is, understand our part in that vision and make sure we do it the best we can. And I was like, wow, I am doing something right. You again. can't beat that. <laughs> you cannot beat that. Yeah. <laughs> It is. And it's really, I think that, you know, as especially, um, I hate to, I, I hate to keep 
talking about COVID in one sense, but it's not going to go away. And our entire working situation will be changed from here on out, especially with, you know, how many people won't go back to office buildings or big corporate buildings, or if they do, it's a long time. And I think about then how many people are entering these workforces now in these new environments. This is all they're going to know. We have to be willing to shift our leadership mentality and our leadership perspectives and make the shifts that allow us to to deal with changing situations with less panic and stress and and really understand that for all those people who said i have said in their life i hate change well buckle up because that's all we're going to have for a long time is change so how about enjoying it (laughs) Well, it's hard to tell people how about enjoying it. I mean, so what do we find is that people don't resist change. They resist loss. And so I would submit that there's really not many people that would, you know, just, uh, just change in general are just change resistant. Now there are, there are skeptics in the world. Certainly we know that from personality assessments and that sort of thing. But, you know, I always use the example Um, you know, in my workshops, if you came to work today and on the way to work, you stopped at, you know, the local quick trip or whatever gas station you go to and you bought a lottery ticket and you won, like, I don't mean the $5 scratch off. I mean, you won like the Powerball, right? You come home with a couple extra million, um, enough to be life-changing. And I always ask how many people would change absolutely nothing. Now, about once a year, I get some smart ass that says, no, I wouldn't change anything, right? But 99.9% of the people that we ask that question you don't even see a hand go up because everybody would change something because that's perceived to be a good change. But the problem with these changes we're dealing with now and the disruption we see in business is that people, people resist the loss. So the better we can understand what the losses are and help people through the loss, the the more equipped they're going to be to deal with the change. And with COVID, I think that's the one that's just, like the, some of the losses with COVID are devastating. I yes. mean, certainly family members and people dying and what, I mean, that's a huge loss. But the other losses are, you know, I'm not having lunch with my best friend at work every day. I don't, I don't have an escape from my family. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to work on Zoom. I hate working on Zoom, right? I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying, I, I miss the, the extroverts are all sort of missing the interaction with people that they have in the office. Um, the introverts are not liking that their face is on Zoom all day long, right? There's so True. many things that people are losing, not to mention the connection, the ability to build relationships with other people in the office. How do you ment- how do you like how do you make an appointment with a mentor three levels up if you don't run into them in the hallway? Or, you know, there there's so right, much to the coffee pot, right? Yeah. Exactly. So I think, you know, the degree to which we recognize and acknowledge and, and figure out how to help people through the losses is about the only thing that's going to help us get through this on the other side stronger than we went into it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. You're right. And we're all facing that. There's so many losses in so many ways. Yes, there's certain people who have actually physically lost a loved one, but the other losses are the ones that you know, that kind of, that creep up on you or that we don't understand of each other because, right. I mean, we already don't understand a lot of things about each other, but I don't know whether or not you're exhausted from being on a Zoom call or, you know, right. Janet over here doesn't want anybody to see that she doesn't live in the best house or, you yeah. know, or that your kids won't leave you alone and you would like to lock them up, you know? I mean, there's, there's, there's- a lot of those pieces and all of a sudden the personal and professional 
has been ripped away. It has and, no line anymore. And you there's know, no and I, read, I was listening to somebody last week. This was actually really interesting. They said that um, some of the bigger companies, um, GE, I don't know if Johnson & Johnson was one of them, but some of the bigger company like CEOs have put out a decree that says if a child interrupts you on a Zoom call, you are not to make them wrong. Like you are not to Aww. tell them to go away because the feeling like the feeling of that is just devastating for the company. So right. there are many, you know, big CEOs that have come out and sent some pretty strong messaging around like how to handle that. Um, you know, gently, which is right. a more humane maybe approach, but yeah, this is going to, I mean, this is going to be a tough, go and the other thing i think people have lost that i have not heard a great explanation for yet but i i don't get it but why are we all working like 23 hours a day i don't know i mean every client i have is working way more hours than they ever have i know i certainly am i mean it's i don't know why like i can't figure out why we're all so slammed but everybody seems to be yeah. And, you know, I mean, for those of us who've, you know, worked out of a virtual home office or whatever for a long time, that's always been, you know, one of my challenges. I've, I've had, I've, I've had a home base office probably yeah. for 25 years. Uh -huh. And I know that that has always been, always was one of the things that I had trouble turning off. I'm much better at it now. Okay. So I'm really um, structured in my day. And so, you know, no later usually than 5.30, but usually like 5, 5.15, I'm done. My husband leaves his little office upstairs and we have lunch together every day. And so we've, we've uh, had these new habits and interactions that we created, which has been really lovely. Um, but it takes a lot of work. It really does mm -hmm. takes a lot of focus to do that and not feel guilty that you're not working all the time. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Jennifer, when you think back on your career and, you know, all the things that especially have led you to what you do now, you know, is there a, you know, one, I mean, I'm sure there's many, but one particular like professional lesson that you've learned that when you look back, you go, you know what, that really shocked my own potential? Yeah, I think, um, and it's the message that I share. I, you know, I think about, um, so there, about 10 years ago, when I started thinking about speaking and doing more of that, I asked 10 people who know me really well, you know, what's the story only I can tell. And every single one of them came back to me and said, you're nothing if not resilient. And there's probably 20 stories I could share about that. Um, you know, massive, massive things that happened. I was a competitive water skier, ended up not being able to do cardio. I mean, there were some, I mean, big, big drama stories, right, that I bounced back from um, that people knew about and said that. But I'll tell you the defining moment for me, and this is a silly, this is the story pales in comparison of, you know, 20 others. But I was working for, um, a, I was still in my corporate career, and I had an argument with my boss's boss. And I called her out in a meeting for something that I thought she did that was completely unethical. Um, it was, I thought it felt like it was targeting me. I was really upset. And so I called her out. I was new to the company at the time. And she was not the person evidently that you call out in a meeting. And oh so, you know, I did it and my boss hit the roof. I mean, he called me, called me every name in the book, screamed and yelled, made a big stink. In the meantime, I went into her office, shut the door and she and I hashed it out. 
I mean, we, we had a really good conversation. We walked away respecting each other much more. Um, mm -hmm. As it turned out, she had no intention of targeting me. She didn't realize what she was really saying at the time. When she realized mm -hmm. how I perceived it, she totally apologized. Um, but in the meantime, she explained what she meant, which created an understanding in me that I respected her mm -hmm. a lot more. So she and I patched it up. We were fine. <laughs> but my boss and I, oh, like, boy. I could not get over the things he said to me. I could not. Oh, I, mean, I was so angry. So about a week went by and I avoided him for about a week. And I was just, I didn't know what to do. I was just so angry. I had no interest in, you know, going into his office and hashing it out because I thought he was so wrong in the way he treated me. And so after about a week, he called me in and he said, look, I don't, he shut the door and he said, I don't look, I don't care how mad you are. I don't, you know, whatever happened, happened. He said, stuff like this is going to happen in business. And he said, if you can't find a way to bounce back faster, you will never make it as a leader. Oh. And I, I mean, in my anger, in my, in my, I was so infuriated with this man to start with. But mm -hmm. as he said that, I realized he was right. And I walked away and I went, okay, I took a deep breath and I thought somehow I'm going to have to put this behind me just so that I can be effective in this role. Yeah. And I realized in that moment that resilience is the number one skill for leaders today. And when I, when I started speaking and writing about it, nobody was talking about it. And I still think, you know, COVID's pushed it a bit today. We hear people talking about resilience now in a way that they didn't six, eight months ago. Um, the book couldn't have come out. At a, the book came out in um, <laughs> May of last year. Could not have been more timely. But I just feel like that number one, that is the number one thing that made me go, okay, I've got to figure this out. And then, so fast forward, you know, another, another seven, eight years, people said I was resilient. So obviously... Um, some of the things that they were referring to happened before that, some happened after, but there was some intentional work that I did. So the mm -hmm. question became, okay, what did I do that made me resilient? And A, can it be taught? And then if it can, how can we teach it in the best way possible? And, and then right around that time, I started getting involved with the Adaptive Leadership Network and really this concept of adaptive leadership that you know is coming out of Harvard. There's a guru up there that, that teaches this, Ron Heifetz, who's amazing. Um, and I started to realize that this notion of resilience and the notion of adaptive leadership, they really link. And we can't be adaptive leaders if we're not resilient. And I think that is, this is the number one life lesson I've had. And it's the one that I'm probably most committed to sharing and, and perhaps leaving behind. Wow, that's a great story. And I can, as you were telling it, I could see it all happening. And I think probably anybody listening probably has some version of that. Maybe not actually calling out your boss's boss in the middle of a meeting, but, uh, but some level of where, you know, misunderstanding, uh, heightened emotions and feelings and reactions come to play and hit that intersection and there's an explosion of some sort. Yeah. And I think what, what great tribute, to, a testament to you as well to have, you know, to be able to even tell the story and go, I was mad. I didn't want to see him. I didn't want to go hash it out with him. I still no. wanted to, you know, it was really too much. And then having him say, you're going to have to be more resilient. You're going to have to find a way to move on and to accept that that's, that's a, that's a huge 
it's a huge lesson. It could not have been easy at the time. <laughs> no, I have to say it certainly wasn't. I mean, I remember where I was when we had the conversation. I was test driving a red Ford Thunderbird convertible when he called to, to scream at me. So, I mean, I remember like where I, I remember my shoulders tensing out. I mean, I remember that story like it was. I bet you didn't buy that car. <laughs> I did. Actually, it was the best car I ever owned. But I did. <laughs> <laughs> but not, but no credit to him. But um, but yeah, it was, it's the best car I ever owned. But oh I got over that. Gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Oh goodness, we are almost out of time here. So, um, you know, we're gonna. By the way, we're gonna have all of your contact information on the show notes. But in case anybody wants to look you up right now, because they just can't wait to find you, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, I think the website is probably the easiest way. It's um, www.leadershiftinsights.com. Um, the shift is the hard part, so it's leader s h i f t. <laughs> insights.com um or you can certainly google me and find us there or you know if you want i mean i'm certainly open to talking and um you know i'm really passionate about this topic so my email is jeggers uh, at leadershipinsights.com so certainly welcome uh, anyone to reach out and you know we can certainly set up some time um to talk more because this is a this is a topic i'm really certainly really passionate about wonderful and it's, it's clear and it, it comes through without a doubt so before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners? Oh, of course. Um, how can I not? Yes. <laughs> um, I so don't I think that response. I'm like, yay, we've yay! got more. No, no, no pearls. <laughs> no, I think, I think the best thing we can remember right now, because we're in this disruption, is that there's a difference between resilience and coping. And both of those are really important things, but they are different. So mm -hmm. right now, many of us are coping. We're in survival mode. We're just trying to get through it. We've just got to get through before we can even think about resilience. And that's okay. Um, the important thing is that resilience is, is about being intentional and really planning for disruption. And we can start that now. There are many things we can do in the midst of disruption to help build resilience. But we have to realize that it, that's not an instant solution. So there may be, you know, and I think people get frustrated with themselves when they're trying to be resilient and they can't because they really have to cope. So I think acknowledging when you're just in survival mode and when you're doing things that are really intentional and the book goes through a hundred things that you can, that you can do. I'm making a hundred up. I don't know how many are in there, but, <laughs> but you, there are lots of things that you can do. <laughs> yeah, there are lots of things that you can do to, to start building your resilience and your team's resilience but it's not instant. So if you're in a place where you just really have to just get through it, just get through it. I mean, just put yourself in that survival mode, give your permission, yourself permission to do that until you just get out of the mess you're in and then focus on building resilience. Because I, I think a lot of self-care and self-forgiveness um, is incredibly important right now as well for individuals and for corporations. I love it. <clears throat> Absolutely. Well, Jennifer, thank you. You have given us a wealth of information today, and I am so glad that you have joined us. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here, and I really enjoyed meeting you as well. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.